Katie Spots and Laura Decker have a lot in common. Both have boats. Both use those boats to take long solo voyages, which made headlines. One of them rowed and the other sailed. Katie Spots rowed across the Atlantic Ocean. Laura Decker sailed literally around the world. When Katie Spots got into her yellow 19-foot rowboat, she stocked it with food. This boat was made to withstand hurricanes and 50-foot waves. But thankfully, as she rowed from the western shores of Africa across the Atlantic to South America, a voyage of more than 4,500 kilometers, uh, she didn't face any hurricanes, but the waves kept her up at night. She rowed eight to 10 hours a day, and her crossing took her just over 70 days. Laura Decker harnessed the power of the wind and she sailed her 40-foot sailboat around the world and as she sailed, she made her way around reefs. She encountered a number of storms, but she was able to circumnavigate the world in just under a year and a half. A person can cross vast amounts of water by rowing or by sailing. I have crossed the Georgia Strait a number of times. I have never rowed across the Georgia Strait, but I have sailed across on numerous occasions. And even though I have never rowed across the Strait, I know my preference would be to sail. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, we see that Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus at night. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. And as we've mentioned before in messages, we hear the word Pharisee as a term of insult to describe someone who we feel is self-righteous and judgmental. But in Jesus's first century world where virtually everyone believed in God, the Pharisees were highly regarded. In fact, they were revered as those who were experts in God's law. We're told in the passage that Nicodemus is a leading teacher in Israel. In fact, Jesus calls him Israel's teacher, a term which suggests that Nicodemus was either the number one teacher in Israel or one of the greatest teachers in the country. So Nicodemus is a man of great accomplishment, great achievement. He has worked very hard to get to where he is in life. We would describe him as a rower, symbolically speaking. But Jesus says to Nicodemus, in order for you to truly come alive to God, in order for you to enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, 
You must be born from above. You must be born of the Spirit. You must be born of the wind. In John 3, verse 8, Jesus says to Nicodemus, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And then in the message version of this text, we read these words. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone born from above, by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. And as Rachel Held Evans paraphrases, the windy spirit just shows up. The windy spirit changes everything. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you who have been described as the windy spirit, we pray that you would just show up in our lives <laughs> and we pray that you would change us, that you would change everything. May you do this as you lead us to Jesus through your word. And we pray these things in his name, in his strong name. Amen. So going back to the image of the boats for just a moment, we can think of the image of rowing a boat or sailing a boat. As we think about an analogy for our life with God, our progress in the spiritual life, the image of sailing a boat is a better one. Now, when you are sailing, you're not completely passive. You raise your sails, you adjust and trim your sails, you steer using the wheel connected to the rudder. So you're not passive, but you are utterly dependent on the wind for your movement. And so it is in our life with God, we're not passive in our life with God. There are certain things that we can do to foster our relationship with our creator. But we are utterly dependent on the spirit of God and the wind of God for life and for movement. Again, to, to read John chapter 3 verse 8, the words of Jesus in the message version. Eugene Peterson writes, the windy spirit, or to paraphrase Peterson, the windy spirit blows this way and that. You hear it's rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone born of the wind, born of the spirit of God. And Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase says, wind of God and then Spirit of God. And the reason Peterson uses both images of wind and spirit is because the Greek word pneuma can be translated either wind or spirit. They can be used interchangeably. And Jesus says the wind is mysterious. 
It's powerful. You can't control it. As Jesus speaks to Nicodemus about the wind of the Spirit, he may well have in mind a passage earlier in the Bible in Ezekiel chapter 37 where God takes the prophet Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones, human bones, skeletons. And God asks the prophet, can these bones live again? And the prophet wisely answers, only you would know. And then the wind of God's Spirit begins to blow and breathe upon these human bones as they begin to rattle and hum and as flesh and tendons and muscle appears on the bones. The, the winds of God's spirit from the four corners of the earth continue to blow on these bones and on this flesh that now are covered with skin. And as the wind of the spirit continues to blow upon these beings, they, they actually come to life. And so it is when the Spirit of God blows upon us. We come to life spiritually. We come alive to God. And we become new beings, new creations. We begin our life with God, with the Spirit. We also continue our life with God by the Spirit. In the book of Galatians, chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes these words, and I'll read them from the message version. He's writing to the followers of Jesus at the church in Galatia and asks, How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? And so Paul is rebuking the followers of Jesus here at the church in Galatia because while they began their life with God depending on the Spirit, now they are rowing their heads off, rowing like crazy instead of depending on the wind of the Spirit in their sails. The folks at the church at Galatia are rowing, 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 and, and they're trying to achieve progress in their spiritual life, in their life with God by achieving perfection through adopting certain Jewish cultural customs, including Jewish dietary practices. So they've stopped eating pork, ham sandwiches, bacon. Uh, they have started to engage in the rite of circumcision. They, they've begun to observe certain religious days on the Jewish calendar in an effort to progress, to progress in their life with God and experience perfection. And Paul says, don't be crazy. What are you doing? You couldn't begin your life with God without the Spirit. Don't try to continue it. And so for us to begin our life with God, we need the wind of the Spirit. And for us to continue our life with God, we also need the breeze, the gusts of the windy Spirit of God. To go back to the image of the boats for a moment, 
as I said, when you sail, you're not passive. There are certain things that you can do. You can raise your sails, trim your sails, adjust them. You can steer using the wheel connected to the rudder. And so it is in our life with God. We're not passive. There are certain things we can do, but as is true of sailing, we are utterly dependent on the winds of the Spirit, on the windy Spirit. So what can we do? What's our role? Our role is to catch the wind of God in our sails. That's what we're invited to do. How do we do that? If you're unsure that you've ever experienced the new life that God brings, you can pray that the windy spirit would blow upon your soul. In the 19th century, there were these, quote, revival meetings here in North America. And at these meetings, preachers would sometimes say, if you're unsure about your state before God, come and sit in this section or come and sit in this nearby room and pray that the wind of God's spirit would blow upon you so that you might become a living being before God, spiritually speaking. Or they might say, have someone pray for you that you might come alive to God. Have someone pray that the Spirit would move upon your life. So we can pray that the Spirit would move upon us if we've never had that experience. If we know God and have a relationship with God, we can engage in certain spiritual practices as a way to raise our sails, to catch the wind. Richard Foster, in his classic book, Celebration of Discipline, wrote that the spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, as we call them here at 10th, are means of receiving God's grace. Spiritual practices aren't about working your heads off like crazy, rowing, 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 rowing. They're about putting yourself, putting ourselves in a place where we can experience the wind of God's Spirit the transforming presence of the Windy Spirit, the, the presence of Jesus. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, my wife and I were visiting Canterbury, England, and we were given a tour of the historic Canterbury Cathedral by a friend of ours who was a vicar in Canterbury, an Anglican priest, Chris Pemberton. And uh, I remember uh, Chris taking us through the cathedral and uh, just under the pulpit, which you have to climb stairs to ascend. And uh, Chris just stood there with us and said, before we ascend the stairs of the pulpit, we pause. And with a twinkle in his eye, he asked us, do you know why we pause? I'm like, no idea. And then he smiled and he said, we pause because we wait for the Spirit. We pause, waiting for the Spirit. And in our lives, we can pause and wait for the Spirit. As I've shared before, I like to begin my day pausing and simply breathing in the Spirit of God and then exhaling, pausing and breathing in the windy spirit of God, receiving that spirit afresh, and then exhaling. Sometimes I think about what uh, neuroscientists tell us and psychologists, that 
When you breathe in, you activate your sympathetic nervous system and you're energized. As you exhale slowly, you activate your parasympathetic nervous system and you relax. And so as we breathe in deeply, we can experience the fresh energy of the spirit. As we exhale, we can experience the relaxation and rest of the spirit. And as we read in Isaiah 40, as we breathe in the winds of the Spirit, we can mount up on wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Uh, Recently, uh, our family was on a vacation. Uh, In fact, we were able to go back to Japan for the first time uh, since the pandemic. And it was such a special time. I ended up setting the chime on my watch to chime on the hour so that I would pause just briefly and breathe in deeply and say, thank you, Lord, for this moment. Thank you, Lord, for this time and just to receive it and receive the breath of God anew. And so we can raise our sails by praying that the windy spirit would come upon us by engaging in certain practices that enable us to receive more fully the wind of the Spirit. We can also experience the wind of the Spirit in our everyday lives. We read that we don't know where the wind comes from or where it will blow, but we hear it's rustling in the trees. Sometimes we, we'll see a, 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 a leaf shake in the wind or a branch blow off or if we're at the beach we can see the wind lifting the grains of sand. We can't see the wind but we can see the effects of the wind changing the landscape. And we can't see the wind of the Holy Spirit but we can see the effects of the Spirit changing us. And that can happen in our everyday life circumstances. You're at the grocery store, and you're in the express under 10 items lane, and you notice someone in front of you who apparently cannot count. You can get real frustrated, and you can, boom, kick that person in the butt. You could do that, or imagine doing that. Or you could pray for patience, for the Spirit to foster long-suffering in you. Or let's say you are engaged in a challenging project and you're getting weary as you're ascending this metaphorical mountain. You could pray for endurance and and for perseverance. Or if you find yourself in an embarrassing situation or having failed, you could pray for humility. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest who says, every day I pray for one good humiliation. I don't pray that. (laughs) But I admire Father Rohr for praying that prayer. Uh, The other day I was at Costco and was reaching for some raspberries and I, I fumbled the container and the container hit the floor. Some of the raspberries fell onto the ground and I, I uh, uh, scooped them up, put them in the container and then sort of set them on the side of the other raspberries, uh, you know, a little bit further away, feeling, 
feeling embarrassed, thankful that people weren't staring me down. You know, Canadians, uh, people in Vancouver are so nice. Uh, but when I went to the checkout stand later, I mentioned to the cashier, who I think was from Eastern Europe, uh, I, earlier I, I, I dropped some raspberries and, and some of them spilled to the ground. If you want, I, I can pay for them. And she simply responded by saying, Costco, big store. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Did you do it on purpose? <laughs> Said, no, I didn't. So everything was fine. <laughs> I could have prayed as I dropped the raspberries. Foster humility in me, but I, I didn't think of it. But when we go through an embarrassing circumstance or some kind of failure, we can ask that the Spirit would foster humility in us. We can be shaped by the windy Spirit in the everyday circumstances of our lives. And we can also raise our sails by surrendering our life to the direction of the wind. Years ago, when I was on a pilgrimage in Ireland, I remember our guide telling us that Celtic monks, you know, in centuries ago, would enter into small sailboats without oars, no oars, no rowing instrumentation, and without a rudder. And they would just trust that the winds would carry them to their place of resurrection. I think that they meant resurrection metaphorically. I don't think they were envisioning drowning, uh, although it, it wasn't clear when I heard it for the first time. <laughs> I'm not necessarily recommending that, literally. But the posture of saying, Lord, allow your winds to carry me where they will is a good posture. Sometimes I have prayed John Wesley's covenant prayer. I am no longer mine, but thine. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing or put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and to your disposal. We can invite the wind of the Spirit to guide the direction of our larger lives on a macro level, but also on a micro level. When I feel an excessive need for approval or a temptation to control an outcome or feeling a need to cling to security, sometimes I will pray the welcoming prayer that I adapt from Mary Morzowski. And I simply pray... Holy Spirit, I consent to your work. I consent to the work of the Holy Spirit. I let go of my desire for affection and esteem. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for security and survival. And so we can surrender our way to God. We can raise our sails by inviting the Spirit to move upon us through spiritual practices. By inviting the Windy Spirit to transform us in the everyday circumstances of our lives. And by inviting the Windy Spirit to literally direct our lives as well. We don't catch the wind of the Spirit in our sails just for our own personal transformation, however. We receive the Windy Spirit 
so that we are made into people who can love like God, who can offer ourselves to others. I have a pastor friend named John who has walked with a man who has deep wounds from his childhood, deep emotional wounds that continue to affect him to this day. My friend John says that this person that he has walked with grew up with virtually no father. His mother married five different men. None of those marriages lasted for long. She was a difficult person. And she didn't give her son the encouragement he needed growing up. Son is now a man and Several years ago, his mother developed a degenerative muscular disease that caused her to gradually lose almost every single physical capacity. And none of her other children wanted anything to do with her. And none of her previous five husbands even acknowledged what she was going through. But this son, now a man, decided to love and he took her into his home, his mother. And he cared for her. And he fed her by hand because she couldn't feed herself. He combed her hair. He cleaned up after her messes. My friend John was over at their house one time and he said, while I was there, I noticed that his mother could do almost nothing but moan and scream. I covered my ears and I wondered, how can he stand this? John thought, I've been given so much more. I was raised in a loving family, had the benefit of being raised in the church, the scriptures and so on. I've been given so much more, but I don't think that I could love like this. When the mother died, John said at the funeral, at the memorial service, only 16 people showed up. Not even all of this woman's children came to her memorial service. And John said at the service, the son had this old toy tape recorder and he hit the play button and everyone heard a recording of his mom singing a Christmas carol accompanied by her son when he was a boy on the guitar. And the son said, my mom loved Christmas. She loved Christmas. He didn't love her perfectly, not by a long shot. But he loved her when it was most difficult to do. And he loved her when no one else would care for her. And he said kind things about her. And when the windy spirit comes into our life, the spirit can transform us so that we offer the self-giving love of God to others. We can love like God when the windy spirit blows into the sails of our life. Let's pray together. If you'd like, you can simply pray, Holy Spirit, Windy Spirit, come upon me and fill me. And if you'd like, you can breathe in deeply and say, I receive you. And then exhale whatever you need to release. 
can pray, Holy Spirit, come upon me and change everything. Make me like Jesus. Help me to offer your life and breath and love to those around me. And may it be so. By the Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.